The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast. It's the Power Cap Podcast. Hello from Frisco, Texas. Not Manhattan, Kansas. Not the Go Power Cat headquarters. Nothing like that. We are in Frisco, Texas at a hotel here. Not far from the Toyota Stadium here where North Dakota State and Eastern Washington are going to go head-to-head in the FCS National Championship game. I'm Riley Gates. Zach Carlson is here. Also is D. Scott Fritchin here to bring you guys coverage of North Dakota State, Chris Kleiman, and all of the assistant coaches he's bringing to Manhattan with him. And we are joined here by our, our new colleague, Ross Uglum here. He is a North Dakota State uh, beat reporter, I guess. Uh, what, what is your official title here for, for the site here on the 24-7 Sports Network? Sure, so I'm the editor of the, uh, of the Bison Report. It's a three-man operation. Um, we've got Ryan Burns, who covers the recruiting. He is also the owner and publisher of the University of Minnesota site, which is kind of how we got started. He recognized North Dakota State's market as a viable one for a 24-7 site, something that um, you know would be profitable for the company, that would provide a service to the fans. And so he was looking uh, for a writer, and that's where I came in. And we were two. And then uh, this year I actually started an internship program with the university. So uh, I've, I've got one of those. So now we are three. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to get into a little bit of North Dakota State here, but uh, you know, first, want to thank our sponsors back in Manhattan. Obviously, the Fridge Wholesale Liquor does does some great things for us. Um, all the all the guys over there at uh, Claflin and Westport Fitz. That is for you. Remember that because that is the proper street corner. Also, Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Uh, we've got Wahoo Fire and Ice, and we've also got the High Low. All great sponsors here, the Paracat Podcast. We like to go to all of them, and uh, obviously we talk about them a lot. So this is not just a uh, not just a line. We actually go there. We actually utilize uh, all the establishments there. So, anyways, let's let's talk, dive into you just a little bit more here, Ross. A, a lot of people don't understand who you are, uh, where you got your start before. I guess you know you just kind of mentioned it there, but just br- briefly your your background uh kind of how you got involved um in, in the area and, and just kind of some of the other things that you do um because a lot of people have started following you on twitter now that you're you're part of our staff and uh probably very just, confused yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i think he covers the packers well i think he covers k-state what, what is your uh, little uh, brief background I guess? right sure so i uh intended on uh walking on to the golf program at north dakota state broke my leg had a previous offer to uh to play at a Division three college right across the river. So played four years of golf for Concordia College as a communication mass media major. Um, quickly found out that, at least coming right out of college, the market that I wanted to stay in, um, that was not where I was necessarily going to make the most money. So I got into, uh, got into a couple other businesses, but using my degree uh, and always wanting to keep it fresh, I got involved with a couple of... Uh, Green Bay Packers site. So that is, yeah, where I got started in this business, um, really focusing a lot on like X's and O's stuff and also draft prep. People love the NFL draft. They, they really do. They love it like they love college football recruiting. You know, it's uh, always the promise of the unknown. So got involved in that and then um, had plenty of, for three years there, had plenty of stuff 
to kind of build a resume or people stuff that people could read if, if they were interested in hiring me. So like I said, um, the university of Minnesota, their 24 seven site, they came to, uh, the management at, at, at what was then scout and said, Hey, we really think North Dakota state has a big enough fan base and has enough interest in recruiting that if we started a site, it would be profitable. And we need one person on the ground in Fargo, because obviously Ryan wasn't going to leave Minneapolis, you know. So we need one person on the ground in Fargo, and we got kind of connected. I sent him over a couple of articles that I had written, and and he was in. So ever since fall camp of Carson Wentz's uh, first year as a starter, which would be 2014, I believe, he, you know, we've been been together. So... uh, course you know develop relationships with the the coach climate staff and certainly i you know developed a pretty deep understanding of what they did you know from a scheme standpoint and and what made that machine go so well um but then when it became kind of a, a possibility that climate might be the guy that's when i got contacted by 247 saying hey we might want you not in Manhattan. So nobody, nobody get that in your head, but um, we might want you as part of the team at go power cap because now you, you might be the guy in our network with the deepest understanding of, of this staff and of this coach. And, and so I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. It's certainly been beneficial. I just, what two articles already um, analyzing some, some North Dakota state stuff and some schemes that are coming to K state and, you know, the subscribers here at goparacat.com are already, already excited. I mean, it, there's been so much positive reaction uh, so far and, uh, you, you mentioned the the start of your tenure, kind of with the North Dakota State program, with you know Coach Kleiman, and the, there isn't many people out there that understand it better than you. Uh, obviously, K State fans had a lot of mixed reactions when when the hiring happened. Um, and, you know, he's an FCS guy; he can't do it at this level. Um, and then when he kind of got there, when people got to know him a little bit better, they they came to appreciate him more. What is it, though, about his success, in your opinion? Because so many people said he just picked up the pieces where Craig Bull left off, and uh, and he just kind of inherited something. He didn't necessarily have that type of, of dominance that Craig Bull had. How has he been able to sustain this and, and potentially even take it further? Because you could probably make an argument that it might be in a better – the program might be in a better place um, with Chris Kleiman than, than maybe where Craig Bull had it. Right, and, and I think that's actually – it's not a might it is um and specifically and i think you know i I think kansas state fans will like to hear this what i'm about to say more than maybe anything else the number one thing that you can see from the bowl era to the climate area is the absolute clear-cut elevation of the recruiting profile at north dakota state this class um, and, and actually they lost Jaron Lewis to Kansas State. But this class of, of NDSU, before Jaron Lewis flipped, had five of the ten highest-rated recruits to ever commit to North Dakota State. Now, obviously, with four of the ten, but the, the point remains. He continued to push and push and push and get NDSU into living rooms, get NDSU into conversations that they were never in before. You go back, and, and people need to understand, too, you know, North Dakota State had eight national championships before Craig Bowl even got there. Granted, they were Division Two, and and that's a trust me a steep drop 
in in talent from even the FCS level, but the the culture of winning was already there, yeah. and and Bowl kind of revived it because they had not won a national title since 1990 when they won the one in 2011. So, don't get me wrong, Craig Bowl deserves a ton of credit, but it, it has been elevated. It has been brought to a higher level by climbing. They are in um, more, like I said, more living rooms. They are getting a shot at some three star kids that you would you just never even consider that for an FCS program to really have a shot at, at three-star kids. And what I think, too, is uh, you talk about the airport test. The airport test is, uh, whether it's college basketball, college football, whatever, when you see a team walking through the airport and you're like, man, who are those guys? That's a whole different ballpark now with North Dakota State. You used to see, uh, like Joe Mays is a great example, but NFL linebacker for a long time. Joe was 5'11". Thumper, great <laughs> player, but he was 5'11". And that was on and on and you saw that when they went and beat minnesota they were undersized they were great players but they were undersized now you've got nick deluca at middle linebacker for the jacksonville jaguars 6'3, 250 i mean these are big hulking kids they're not undersized anymore they are getting the kids into the program that are athletically impressive they're not beating goliath with davids anymore they are goliath and so that's i think what you definitely want to hear if you're a k-state fan is the fact that yes north dakota state was successful with craig bowl but they got higher level and higher level and higher level kids involved in the program as climate continued his rise and and i think that's something you know that you could see with kansas state i get it ndsu doesn't go in oklahoma doesn't go into texas but they were able to go into florida for the for the speed kids they were able to you know expand their recruiting footprint and it might be a thing and i've always said this with with the climbing hire it might be a thing where it's a decent idea for kansas state to zag when everybody else is zigging maybe don't go and try and compete with oklahoma and and compete with texas for those kids maybe don't run a four wide spread on offense and try and sling it around like those guys do maybe play a little ball control offense Maybe go into Chicago. That's where, you know, Klanderman would be. Or, or go make sure that you're fighting with, with the Huskers for the Omaha kids and fighting with the Huskers for the Kansas City kids and making sure that that metro is Kansas State territory. There's more than one way to skin a cat, and that's, I think, what had Kansas State fans so nervous was the fact that they didn't feel like he that Kleiman was going to be the guy to go into a Texas household and beat the Longhorns. And he's probably not, but it might not matter. Yeah, I I think that, and that was actually going to be my exact next question, was so many people were concerned right away, oh, he can't recruit Texas. He can't recruit Oklahoma. He doesn't do it. You look at the roster. There's nobody from Texas on the roster. And and I think I understand that. You know, I understand where K-State fans are coming from. There's, you know, countless notable K-State players that have come from the state of Texas, come from that area. But (laughs) there's 49 other states out there that you can recruit from. Obviously there's talented players and Chris Kleiman's been doing a very good job of getting them in North Dakota state. I mean, is there any concern do you think about attacking places like the Omaha, Missouri, and you mentioned, you know, Chicago and, and being able to get those as they call them, Jimmy's and Joe's that will compete with those guys from Texas. Right. So, and I think one thing that 
I, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant there, but you need to understand is that Climate is not going to abandon Texas either. That's not his plan. Yeah. He understands. They brought in Van Malone. Van actually, um, I think, got his college coaching start in 03 as the wide receivers coach at North Dakota State. <laughs> and he brought in some really talented Texans to NDSU. Uh, I, I mentioned that, you know, the the speed kids, the, 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 the skill kids that came from Texas in the bowl era were, were many. You know, they – uh, did a great job from the Houston area, and they got a lot of kids up there that that established. People don't understand that the uh, NDSU kind of Division One tradition, and I'm talking about people nationally, maybe with Kansas State. The good times actually started before they were even eligible for the playoffs, which I know sounds dumb, but it's it's real. In '06 and '07, they had two ten and one seasons. And one of those 10 and one seasons included beating the University of Minnesota at their place. They also beat Ball State, which is an FBS opponent, uh, just because they were ineligible for the playoffs. I mean, there were some great, great players on those teams. And that kind of set the foundation for the, you know, Brock Jensen crew in 2011 because of guys that had, had come before them and had incredible success. And they were even in those 06, 07 years, they had weeks where they were ranked number one in the country, but everybody knew that they couldn't, you know, right. be, be involved in the playoffs. Those teams recruited the heck out of Texas. And so there is a little bit of a, a history there, but yeah, I mean, they're going to find a way as they did at North Dakota state to get into the areas, to get kids where, where they're getting missed. And, and I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing towards Kansas state. But until they are, you know, consistently a top 10, top 15 program, they are going to need to get to being a top 10, top 15 program by recruiting kids that other schools are missing on and that don't have as many stars as they maybe should or aren't quite at the level. You know what I'm saying? Right, because right. they're not going to get go into a living room and, and pull Alabama and Georgia's kid, you know, and, and convince them to come to Manhattan, at least certainly Correct. not right away. So. They are going to probably, like I said, they're going to do a little zigging while everybody else is zagging. And when they figure out, you know, their system and, and, and frankly, you know, it's, it's not unlike what, what Bill Snyder did. And, and that is that Bill, I think, recognized a little market inefficiency in the JUCO ranks and decided that, hey, other programs around here are not paying enough attention to junior colleges. We're going to win because we're getting kids that maybe should – you know, be a little higher level, but because they're not high school freshmen, they're not being recognized. And so I'm not saying Kleiman's going to, you know, pick up where he left off because he was not a Juco guy (laughs) at North Dakota state. It was high school, senior, high school, senior, high school, senior. But at the same time, you know, that's something that I I definitely would pay attention to is try and figure out maybe where he thinks he's found a market inefficiency. Maybe it is Florida. Florida has a lot of talent. They have a lot of, you know, division one schools there, but they aren't enough. And then, and I think that's how you see a guy like Bruce Anderson at North Dakota state who got himself a senior bowl invite, who will get himself a combine invite right out of Ruskin, Florida. He probably should be at UCF, maybe even at, at, at a Florida state or at a Miami, but they can only take so many kids. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, one of the things he's going to do in terms of recruiting is it obviously utilizes assistance. That's going to be huge. And, uh, he's got nine hired already. We could sit here and talk about all nine all we wanted, and this podcast would go for maybe two hours. L- let's focus on on the four guys that are here um, with North Dakota State. The the first four hires, 
well, I guess aside from Siler and Klein, that is. Uh, let's let's start with Courtney Messingham. Obviously, the guy that everybody wanted to know. You know, who's running this offense? Who's going to take K State's offense from ten in the Big Twelve to to higher levels? Because obviously, Andre Coleman um, was not as efficient as he needed to be this this past season for Kansas State. And you know, Courtney Messingham, all the stats. I don't have him exactly here in front of me, but we know what he can do with an offense at North Dakota State. We've seen him put, you know, countless players um, up to a higher caliber. What is it about him as a coach? Because he's not this younger, air it out, throw it all over the field that so many people think, oh, you have to do that. You have to throw the ball five wide. You have to play an Oregon style of offense in order to, to succeed in 2018 but he's not doing that. He's succeeding. What is it about him, um, in your opinion, that makes this this hire as an offensive coordinator make so much sense? Well, there's a number of reasons why it makes sense, um, and then, one of them probably isn't going to excite you know Cat fans. But he is a guy that had Big Twelve experience, and that that's rare from any FCS coordinator that they would have been an offensive coordinator at a Power Five level. You know, those guys generally aren't even at North Dakota State, you know. Uh, so he's got the experience in the Big 12. But at the same time, and then it was going to get a little bit repetitive, but talk about zigging while everybody right. else is zagging. And, and um, you know, Kansas State kind of was already doing that because, yeah, they ran 11 personnel a lot, and they, they were in the shotgun. But it was a lot of inside zone with, with Alex Barnes, and it was a lot of outside zone. And it was a little bit of read, especially when Delton was in there. But their run-pass ratio looked kind of similar to North Dakota State's just because they weren't actually lining up in the I formation or lining up in the inverted wishbone like NDSU does doesn't mean that they weren't already trying to control the ball, play good defense, and slow down these offenses and make them uncomfortable. So what I think you'll see is kind of uh, maybe a change in the way that it looks, but not necessarily a change in the culture or a change in what was trying to be accomplished. Hopefully, obviously, for, for Kansas State, it, it's done better. It's, it's done more efficiently. Uh, Coach Snyder wasn't fired. You know, that's not what happened. But at the same time, it was a non-bowl season. It was not up to K-State standards. And with this hire of Kleiman, you are trying to get to a higher level. You're trying to kind of right the ship a little bit. And so what Messingham brings is just this evolution of the NDSU offense, the evolution of power, basically, <laughs> um, you know, where you, you, you pin with the, the center and you pull a guard and, and you go down the field. And that's something that I think, you know, you, you will see a little bit difference in recruiting. Tight ends are going to have to get involved. They're going to have to bring <laughs> that's in. That'll be new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tight ends are going to have to get involved. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're going to – and they just brought in Jack Stineen. He was a heavily recruited guy by North Dakota State. They wanted him bad. Climbing goes to K-State, gets him. Two brothers, I think, that play for KU, mm -hmm. which I think is hysterical, but um, probably the best possible thing for Jacks because this is an offense that didn't really have a place for the fullback before, and he might get a chance to be the fullback for four yeah. years, you know. So uh, good, good spot for him, but – they're going to do a lot of things differently. Uh, one thing that I would definitely pay attention to is they're going to want to get as deep as they can as quickly as they can because if you have a chance to watch North Dakota State, and I would sure assume that you're going to do that being that you're here in Frisco, yeah, Texas. I think I might. You will see the five linemen and the quarterback stay on the field, but almost on every play 
the other five guys will rotate in and out. They will bring in personnel group after personnel group after personnel group so that the defense is spending half of the pre-snap just identifying who in the world's on the field. They'll come in in 22 and jam it down your throat. The next play, they might be five wide running a quarterback draw, running a tunnel screen or you know doing a number of things. And then the, the very next play on third down, you've got three backs, you're in the delta formation, and you're running a wheel route 65 yards for a touchdown. It's hard. I mean, these guys were in the 40s for points per game in a ball control offense designed to keep the other team <laughs> off the field. I get it. Kansas State is not next year going to install NDSU's system and win the Big 12, probably. <laughs> but, but my point is that you're not probably going to see 41 points a game, 11 points a game allowed. You know, North Dakota State, for all intents and purposes, is Alabama. They're, frankly, at a higher level than Alabama with you know, potential for seven titles in eight years. They are dynasty mode on EA Sports NFL, <laughs> you know, or NCAA. Uh, and by the way, rest in peace. Rest, to yes, that. rest, in, rest peace. in peace to that to that game. But uh, this is a system that has proven it'll work, and now, frankly, it just has a chance at Kansas State to you know work with maybe some three and four star level kids, some Big Twelve level mm-hmm. athletes. But done right, it's something that has proven. You know, look at their nine and three record against the FBS right it's, it'll work if it <laughs> if they get the right kids in and everybody buys in it will work and the wonderful thing is it'll be kind of that game that everybody looks at and they're like crap we have to play Kansas State yeah. it's like when uh, the ACC teams were you know are just ripping through their schedule whichever one's good Clemson Florida State doesn't matter Dang it, we got Georgia Tech. We got to redo everything that we were doing because now we have to face the triple option. And NDSU doesn't run the triple option. But at the same time, it's like, man, we got to get ready for two fullbacks. We got to get ready for, you know, we got to get ready to defend power. Um, And a lot of these clubs, when you look at them, you got 215-pound linebackers, spread linebackers that all of a sudden are going to have Jax Deneen come and smashing them in the face. They don't want that, you know. So it's a... It's a fun X's and O's game because nobody in the Big 12 is really personnel-wise prepared for what's coming. And it's unlikely that they ever will because they still have to defend Baylor and Texas Tech and Texas and Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Real briefly before I move on to Connor Riley and, you know, all the other guys got to get to those two. People are really concerned with Courtney Messingham's end at Iowa State sure makes sense. Um, could you real briefly just kind of go explain why maybe they shouldn't be as concerned with the fact that that didn't end in the in the best ways I mean I will say this Tim Polisek left for Iowa and so Tim Polisek left you have to understand budgets (laughs) Tim, Tim Polisek left NDSU offensive coordinator and running backs coach and it seemed it would seem like a demotion to go to be the offensive line coach at Iowa because he loses the coordinator title Iowa's budget is like eight and a half times what North Dakota <laughs> State's is. So he was able to get a nice pay raise uh, for himself. And then, you know, be honestly, frankly, involved in other discussions. He was involved in the discussion of who would be Kansas State's next, right. next offensive coordinator. You can't, you know, unless literally the coach is coming from there, you can't be a power five offensive coordinator if your last job was FCS offensive coordinator, unless a coach is literally bringing you along. And, and it's a you know, very same sim- situation of 
frankly, why Gene Taylor left, you know, North Dakota State. Go to Iowa, be the deputy athletic director. Now you're on the list to have a chance to be the Kansas State athletic director. Ultimately, though, there was concern when Polisek left and they brought in Messingham because he was at Montana State. They weren't that great offensively. But you're only as good as your players, you know? And and what you wanted to see was market improvement. Now, granted, I love Polisek, and I think that the natural order of things probably would have been that North Dakota State's offense improved going from Easton Stick's sophomore year to his junior year and then going from his junior year to his senior year. This team that Polisek left when Stick was a senior, or excuse me, it was a sophomore, maintained a lot of the same personnel, and they developed, and they got better. So it's maybe inaccurate to give all of the credit to Courtney, but there are little wrinkles and stuff that I pointed out in my piece at Go Powercat that he added, things that he did more efficiently even than Polisek did, and now this is the best offensive they, offense that they've had in all of the, the six championships before them. Uh, just numbers-wise, and frankly, from, from my eyes, uh, I think this is the best offensive group that they've had and whether it's the players that were already there before he got there or it's him it has to be at least a little bit him so you you see it all the time with any head coach that is in trouble I cover the Packers same thing happened what happened before this year before McCarthy got let go both coordinators got fired when you're a head coach on a sinking ship the last effort to keep yourself in your spot is to blame it on the coordinators. A lot like David Beatty at Kansas. Right. And so, I mean, that's the, but that's the, when you're sinking and the athletic director is kind of like, hey, what are we doing here? All right, we'll go in a new direction on offense or we'll go, you know, so that it was the Paul Rhodes thing, Courtney Messingham's fault. Probably not. Probably turns out it was the Paul Rhodes thing. So <laughs> that is something that, you know, doesn't look great on his resume that you got f- fired from what, you know, kind of was a lower level Big 12 job. But at the same time, that's what head coaches do when when the ship is sinking. Makes sense, yeah. A position a lot of K-State fans were really concerned with this past season and, and makes a lot of sense if you look at the production is, is the wide receiver spot. I mean, uh, you know, Isaiah Zuber w- was a, a pretty solid constant there from time to time, but obviously he had some inconsistencies too. Uh, and when you have a guy like Dalton Schoen, and, and Dalton Schoen's a very good wide receiver at Kansas State, but... He's not exactly a, a number one Big 12 wide receiver, a number two Big 12 wide receiver. He he thrived more in the slot kind of when when Byron Pringle was, was at Kansas State. So wide receiver was not very good for the Wildcats this past season, and um, Jason Ray is now going to come in and take over that that position group. And you know, obviously a position that Andre Coleman, we mentioned him earlier, was, was very familiar with at Kansas State too. Has Jason Ray done enough in his career, in your mind, uh, at the wide receiver spot to, to make fans comfortable about this hire? Well, this is one thing, and I'll always admit when I, you know, am, am not the expert, Jay Ray has been there for a year. Right. Uh, Atif Austin was the special teams coordinator and the wide receivers coach for, honestly, I believe when Bolt left and Kleiman hired his staff, which, by the way, that whole thing was insane. The amount of retention – especially at a successful FCS program where you have P5 and G5 trying to poach your assistance, the retention level for, for Kleiman was truly unbelievable from when he took the job until he left at Kansas State. Most of these guys are the guys from when Bull left and he needed to quick throw together his staff because this was before, of course, 
the early signing period. He needed a staff, and he needed one tomorrow because they needed to finish out that class. So, you know, Ray's been there a year, and the work that was done before him by Atif Austin, who took actually a job with the uh, with the New England Patriots, that kind of laid the groundwork for most of the young athletes that um, that that Jason worked with this season. What I will say is, you know, the other guy on North Dakota State staff that went with Kleiman that had Big 12 experiences, Jason Ray, um, recruited Tyreek Hill to, uh, to Oklahoma State. That's something that, that Fritch put out there uh, yesterday, but just did a did a good job with James Washington down there, um, won the Bolitnikoff Award, and I think that was obviously after, you know, Jason was gone, but he's he's done this for a while, played at Mizzou, played the position, that's always a plus. And I think definitely one one guy that you'll want to pay attention to tomorrow is Darius Shepard. And one position that you'll want to pay attention to when you get to Kansas State is the slot. They love throwing the football to the slot. Very Patriots-y in that way. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, uh, kind of think those type of routes, that kind of success. They played R.J. Rizendowski from Omaha, uh, Creighton Prep. They played him there for a, a long, long time. Now it's Darius Shepard's turn. They've been constantly, uh, if there's a weakness in NDSU's offense, it's been the constant uh, effort to develop an outside threat at wide receiver, really get you know one of those 6'2", feature, Jordy Nelson-type <laughs> wide receivers on the outside, and, and that's something that they, they maybe never did accomplish while, while Kleiman was there. It didn't matter. But if you're looking for something that they struggled to accomplish, it was that true outside threat. Now, a lot of that was won and lost in recruiting. It is very easy for South Dakota State to go to a wide receiver and say, hey, do you want to block 63 times a game? Or would you like us to throw you 100 balls? Now, North Dakota State could go back right to that same kid and say, yeah, do you want to win national titles? Yeah. Wide receivers are very selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just in general, that it's a difficult – so. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can recruit to Kansas State or does every other team in the Big 12 go, oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Do you enjoy run blocking? How do you much do you like stock blocking, you know? Uh, but there's a there's a fun history of undersized receivers at, uh, at, at K-State as well. Curry Sexton, Tyler Lockett, guys that, you know, ultimately you'd think of as slot guys, very Darius yeah. Shepard-like in their success at Kansas State. So that would be one thing. Uh, to watch, but what I will say about Jason Ray is he definitely elevated Shep's game. There's no question about it. Um, part of that could be the fact that Erzendowski graduated, certainly, but he's on another level this year, and and was unquestionably the number one wide receiver on the team and a true matchup problem for the opposition. Yeah, I, I think that Jason Ray would, was going to do some pretty good things. You know, obviously Malik Knowles had a had a kind of a breakout. Um, freshman season if you want to call it breakout in the, in the time that he saw the field a uh, guy like Sebastian Taylor is definitely going to to benefit I think from from him come in and then obviously Hunter Risen is going to excite some people uh, the transfer from Michigan State so we'll see how Jason Ray comes in there and utilizes that position group and obviously on the offense the one thing that kind of makes it all click whether they're running the ball or you're passing the ball is the, is that offensive line and you know Connor Riley I wrote a feature on him this has been a hire that it <laughs> From the second it happened, even before it happened, it intrigued me. Um, you know, looking at stats, looking at guys that have come through North Dakota State, offensive linemen are, are without a doubt 
uh, a huge part, I think, of what North Dakota State does. And I think some K-State fans were a little bit, uh, I don't want to know if I want to say concerned, but I think a lot of them wanted him to keep Charlie Dickey. You know, Charlie Dickey has a great history of, of developing offensive linemen. I mean, B.J. Finney, uh, a walk-on guy, now is, I believe he might be starting for the Steelers, or he gets a lot of playing time, one of the two, and you know, he's obviously one of the success stories. But Connor Riley has his fair share of success, too. Um, and, and he's going to come in here with, with three returning starters, four if you count Josh Rivas, who got a lot of playing time in there and, and really saw the field and obviously loses Dalton Reisner. But Connor Riley is, in your, would you say, is it fair to say that he is potentially one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, whether FBS or FCS? Connor Riley is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country, full stop. Uh, been with the program for a long time was the tight ends and fullbacks coach under Coach Bowl, so was part of the run game concept, and then immediately was moved to the offensive line when Bowl left and, and brought his offensive line coach with him. Uh, was promoted at the beginning of this season to run game coordinator uh, just because Kleiman had that much respect for him and wanted to continue to elevate him in any way that he could. He's that level of, of an offensive coach. Uh, Joe Hag is a guy that, that played under him. He's with the Indianapolis Colts now. I think Dylan Raiden's NDSU sophomore left tackle, if nothing weird happens, is likely going to be an, an NFL-level guy. He's coached this year's Remington Award winner for the FCS, the top center in the country, Tanner Wilson. I think Tanner is a kid uh, I've interviewed yesterday who told me, he said, man, if you would have seen me Coming in here as a freshman from nine-man football in North Dakota, you would have never guessed that I would have even made the lineup less, much less gotten to where I am. And it was very clear that he was crediting, you know, Connor with that. But they've been able to move guys around without, you know, much of a hiccup. For example, Colin Connor is a senior left guard. They had to move. They had to move him inside the left guard because Raiden's is so darn talented. They just couldn't keep him off the field at left tackle. The kid's playing at an all-conference level, and, and it's the same way, you know, up and down the line. They Luke Bacon finally, just this year, got to play one spot. He's played every spot that isn't center on the line, and it just never never changes. They just keep jamming the ball down your throat and jamming the ball down your throat. But they do a, a, a good enough job in pass protection as well. He just is an excellent developer of talent. Got Landon Leckler, another nine-man football uh kid from from North Dakota to the Cincinnati Bengals now I don't think he's still with the club but I mean that that was another he made it right he, exactly exactly and uh, he just keeps developing these big farm kids and as I understand it there are farm kids in in Kansas right <laughs> I think there's a couple yeah so uh, you know that that's a position where uh it's it's a beautiful thing yeah. as far as recruiting is concerned because I don't I mean that was the same way with with North Dakota State I don't care that they can't compete with whoever to get whatever offensive linemen. There are plenty of them around, and I would guess that there are plenty of them in the Kansas area, Kansas City, whatever. Um, they're going to be able to recruit kids at that position that Riley can develop, whether it's maybe not the four-star left tackle from whatever high school in Oklahoma isn't going to matter. Uh, Dalton Reisner is a perfect example of, of well, that. he sounds exactly like bacon in that regard yeah uh, interchanging among the line yeah you know 
except you know Dalton obviously did get to play the center position a little bit. But right. Other, I mean, Dalton was very interchangeable at K State, and that sounds like exactly what Connor yeah. Riley's able to coach in North Dakota State. Oh, for sure, for sure. He'll he'll get kids ready to play. Uh, you know, three, four, sometimes even five positions. Everybody needs to be ready to be the next man up on that line, and they understand that. NDSU, frankly, I mean, they use a six-man line. They don't literally have six <laughs> offensive linemen on the field, though I, I think that is probably a package that they could feature. But uh, Tanner Volson's brother, Cordell, is the next great. If you talk to any of the, any of the staff, watch out for Cordell. It's coming. Now, it, it's interesting because he's got this six-foot-seven basketball player frame. And they've got a junior all-conference right tackle. And like I said, a sophomore NFL-level left tackle. So this kid is going to have to play interior offensive line even though he's 6'7", which is kind of wild. But this kid will come in and give them 30 snaps a game. And you'll never really notice who they're giving a blow to. You know, because he'll come in and play a couple left guard snaps. Okay, now he's out. Right guard snaps, right tackle snaps. And they just keep guys fresh using this six-man offensive line last year it was a seven-man offensive line and they just keep turning them out and that's something that you might be able to pay attention to at Kansas State is you might not play the same five offensive linemen for 70 snaps anymore because they're going to try and develop that depth and they're going to try and make sure that if you know somebody is a little nicked boom Somebody else can go right in there. That's good, and I think that that's gonna. I think the depth K State has at the offensive line position is really going to to maybe excite some fans when they hear that. You know, maybe get to see some new faces in there, not the same five six guys uh, all season. Let's wrap this up here with with Joe Klanderman um, coming in at the in the secondary, and I think the biggest thing I took away from talking to North Dakota State players yesterday is that Joe Klanderman is a guy that is going to to coach you in terms of, of knowing. Uh, smart plays you know they're they're not going out there they're not jumping every single route they can in hopes of getting a pick six however they're going to say you know go out there and if you see something you jump it get out there and try to make a play if you think you can do it which is something k-state's not been able to do recently over the past few years now this past season with brian norwood um on the staff they were a little bit more aggressive but in the past they've been playing this this 10, almost 15-yard cushion on receivers, you know, we'll give you five, six yards as long as you don't beat us deep, and and it didn't exactly uh, have fans excited. And is it fair to say that he's going to have that, that same style of coaching, um, allow his players to be aggressive when they feel right, but also play play smart at the same time and, and not get beat all the time? See, th- th- this is an interesting question for a number of reasons. The number one reason is, I don't know what they're going to do defensively, and it's a weird spot for me to well, be in. Well, without all the North Dakota State right. staff is different. Because the Monticino hire blew me away. As I, it did everybody. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't understand it. Uh, I, I finally got a little bit of an insider tip to go look at the 1999 Missouri State Bears <laughs> coaching staff where you can find both Chris Kleiman and Ted Monticino. But that's it, man. Like, he's been in the NFL – with the exception of this year as a defensive analyst for Mizzou, he's been in the NFL almost his entire career playing a ton of single high, uh, playing a ton of three-man front, you know, base defense. None of that is NDSU. Frankly, none of that was even Siler's defense at Kansas State. You mentioned they played a split safety look. Most of it was cover two, a lot of zone with a cushion, which is how that defense works. And the same thing got run at North Dakota State. I don't know if Ted Monachino knows how to run that. I don't know if Chris Kleiman hired Monachino to run his system 
or if he hired Montecino to hire Mon- to run Montecino's system. So a lot of that uh, is is you know going to depend. That is going to make up what Klanderman does. You know the, he's going to obviously coach whatever system his head coach and his coordinator tells him to do. Now the fundamental stuff will all stay the same, and the the teaching you know the proper uh, drops and 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 the the proper you know passing off from zones and and, and this and that. But as far as press man climbing no <laughs> if if uh, and 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 as a guy who covers green bay too you know our our fans were constantly well we've got to stop giving these guys so much cushion and got to get in their face and and that wasn't the defensive coordinator that that green bay hired either but if if they run the cover two system that clanderman and climbin have had so much success with that ndsu you won't see the press coverage that you're apparently looking for either <laughs> But if it's cover one with Montecino and it's a bunch of guys kind of hanging out around the line of scrimmage, maybe blitzing, maybe not, yeah, you could see uh, that that style, that in-your-face style that fans like, you know. Right. Because it's really easy to see a cornerback playing eight and a half yards off they run a four yard route in front of them and it's an, you know, it's uncontested and it looks easy and it looks like, well, that was a stupid defensive play call. Now within the scheme of what they're actually trying to do defensively, maybe it wasn't. And, and a, a good DBs coach could kind of explain that all away to the fans, but are never going to take the time to do so. The point I'm, what I'm trying to make is I don't know because the systems are so different that the, the Montecino ran and then what Siler ran, frankly, because there are a ton of different are a ton of similarities in what Siler ran and what Kleiman slash and slash Klanderman ran. There are a lot of similarities. NDSU just did it a little bit better, frankly. Uh, but with this new crew, who knows? And, and if they're going to play that number one thing, if they're going to play the Montecino system, the real true Montecino system, you have to have a really good free safety. He has to be awesome. He's got to be able to play center field, got to be able to get from sideline to sideline because it's a fun system. Seattle Seahawks ran it forever. Seattle Seahawks had Earl Thomas. <laughs> you, and I'm not saying you have to go out and recruit Earl Thomas, but he, the kid has to be able to play. Right. Yeah, that, there's some there's some safety depth at K State, so we'll see how kind of how they they implement that. And then you know, as Ross said, you gotta gotta kind of mix uh, all the new defensive coaches. I think the defensive side of the football is going to be really yeah. Interesting. Spring ball will be interesting just yeah. to see you know kind of how they line up and what what the basic coverages look like because as much success as NDSU has had defensively. They're in their base stuff way more than you would ever expect. Yeah, that's a quick look here at uh, you know the the four coaches that Chris Kleiman has hired, and then you know him himself as a as a head coach. We're down here in in Frisco, as I said earlier, and uh, we're a few hours away from heading off to to the uh, pregame Friday press conferences with uh, with Chris Kleiman and with uh, with Eastern Washington. So we'll have some more coverage at GoParacat.com today. We'll be at the national championship game tomorrow in full attendance. Um, we'll see what we can uh, provide you at gopowercat.com for, for our valued VIP members over there. And, you know, we're having a lot of fun down here. It's, it's fun to experience some different football, some, uh, some different looks at it. I mean, I, I was telling Ross here kind of before we started taping that there was a tailgate party going on in our hotel lobby right uh, last night. It, 
this is a different fan base, and uh, you know, if you're a K-State fan, I think it'd be pretty interesting to come down here uh, one of these years, assuming that uh, that this North Dakota State dominance uh, stays stays relevant here when when Chris Kleiman leaves. We'll see kind of how that progresses. So that'll do it for us here uh, today. Riley Gates, Zach Carlson, D. Scott Fritchen, and Ross Uglum here in Frisco, bringing you tons of coverage. Thanks to our sponsors, The Fridge, Tanners, Wahoo and the Hilo. We will talk to you guys another time. You've been listening to the PowerCat Podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Now advance to being an awesome K-State fan. The PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.